You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and AJ, Andrea Jingle. How are you doing today? Good, Alex. How are you doing? Pretty good. Enjoying the sunshine? Mm-hmm. Lots of sunshine Yes, here. it's a beautiful sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> and today we have a very special guest. I'm very excited to talk to you again, Jim Laird, who owns Jim Jim, what is it? Jim Laird Strength and Conditioning. Jim Laird Strength and Conditioning. I don't know how I messed yeah, that up. GYM. <laughs> GYM. That's okay. I remember People the first time I went like, to go. What the heck's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> you did a good job with that. Well, well done. Well, thanks. And today we're going to talk about. How are you ladies doing today? I'm excited to be here. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I'm doing good. Very good. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome, and I'm super excited to have Jim on the show because Jim is – I think our our listeners are already familiar with Jim because he's been on several podcasts on Body.io FM. Some of us – actually, a year ago, Jim and I did a podcast together with Kiefer about uh, the Paleo FX recap, and uh, we're familiar with a lot of – uh, you know what Jim preaches, which is what Jim. I'll let you say it once. Sleep, recovery, taking care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. And then we all know that's you know top, top, top of the priority list. But today we're gonna really. I want to. I want to put Jim on the spot and ask him some questions about strength training for women specifically, because I know a lot of our audience, uh, especially the carb backloading audience, is really turned on by strength training and we've really shifted our goals, uh, you know, away from the scale and into strength. But some of the problems that I see is just like women come from judging, um, you know, their progress, let's say from the scale, and then they shift to strength training, they start judging themselves on their PRs. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Social media really, it doesn't help. You see these I don't know if they're freaks of nature. I don't know what their history is. I'm not going to judge any of these people. But, you know, you see these tiny girls squatting 400 pounds like it's a joke, and we tend to compare ourselves to that. So I really want to ask Jim today about his experience training the average woman. Let's say it's a woman in there. We'll say it's like kind of, you know, that 30-year-old, early 40-year-old range who's got their sleep, nutrition, recovery, stress under control and what can, you can expect from those clients as far as strength gains. So, Jim, do you want to just kind of take this um, from there right now and sure. run with um, it? You know, 95% of my clients are female. Uh, I've got a large majority of women that I've been working with for almost 15 years now. So here's the thing you got to understand. There's a performance side of things and there's a health side of things. So when you're working with somebody, first of all, I had some coaches early in my athletic career. One was a wrestling coach and the other one was a football coach and they both had the same philosophy. Don't worry about outcome. Worry about doing things well. So if you do things well and you, and you do things correctly, the outcome will take care of itself. And so you've got these two types of movement patterns, okay? Everyone has like a different coping mechanism. So I'm not real 
big on assigning numbers to people because everybody's got different ling limb, ling, limb lengths. Everybody's got different biomechanics. Um, so some people are going to gravitate to being able to lift certain like squat more or deadlift more just because of the way they're structurally built. And um, so as soon as you put a number on that, you like you said, people start getting frustrated. And so there's two types of strategies. There's what we call a high threshold strategy and there's a low threshold strategy, okay, or a lower threshold strategy. And so in a high threshold strategy, it's more of a nervous system coping mechanism. You see that like we bring people in for an assessment. They, they try to do a squat. They throw their head back and they throw their ribs up. They go into extension. Well, that's the body's way of creating kind of fake stability for an emergency. Same thing with push-ups. You'll see women like ramming their, their rib cage comes up and they ram into their spine or these people that will do planks for like four minutes. Then you ask them to pull their rib cage down and get their belly button in line and they just about convulse to death. <laughs> so – when I'm working with people, I want to build, especially when they're, when, you know, m- all the women that even the women that I, they train that compete, it's more for fun and it's more for, uh, the, the, the aspect of doing it. And all the women that I have that compete, we only train for powerlifting maybe 20 weeks out of the year. Okay. Most women do not like training super heavy all the time. So they get to about 10 to 12 weeks and they start feeling like I ever want to do really want to do something else. So we switch. We still do some strength training, but we still we do more accessory work, and we cut the volume on the main lifts down, and we we work a, a little lower percentage. We do some more athletic stuff, throw medicine balls, do agility work with people that are healthy enough to move that way. So we we always are like switching our training up, and I care more about how people get their movement than the the, the strength of the movement itself. So if someone is like squatting and they're flying into extension to get that stability. That is not a good long-term strategy for health. So if you build strength on that that high threshold pattern, um, you're just going to have dysfunction down the road. You're going to have back issues. You're going to have hip problems, knee issues. Most of the hip and knee issues come from the pelvis being in a bad position, being in too much of an interior tilt. Now, if you have someone who's like an Olympic lifter who's trying to compete in a sport or someone that goes into a high threshold just like on a max effort when they're pulling in a powerlifting meet, that's okay. With those people, it come, becomes managing dysfunction, okay? But you don't want to build this – like you don't want to build on dysfunction to get a certain goal. So how we train is basically – I don't, especially for the first two years, I don't even worry about numbers. Like one day we do a heavier day. The other day is more of a technique day. And on the heavy day, I work up to something that's fairly heavy for three. And I stop wherever they can maintain that ribs to belly button position in a good position in the squat. And we, you know, not everybody competes in powerlifting. So every one of my clients squats, but it might be a squat off a box with a kettlebell. It might be a front squat. It might be a wall sit. It might be a squat with a... um with a landmine, everybody deadlifts. It might be a kettlebell deadlift off a block. It might be a pull from pins. It might be a trap bar. Everybody does some sort of deadlift. And we always work up to just below where they have to go into that high threshold strategy. And then we build on that. And then we work on weakness through accessory movements. And all of a sudden, you have a girl pull 300 pounds just out of the blue. Uh, I've never had – we've got eight girls, uh, eight or maybe ten that have pulled 300 pounds at a meet. Wow. I have to go back and look. Wow. But um, – we have like older ladies. We never tell them how much is on the bar. We just work on form. And then eight weeks in, they pull 200 pounds for reps. So the more you focus on like, I got to do this certain number. And it's kind of funny because I just go by my eye. And if I go back and look at the numbers, it always falls into the heavy day falls somewhere between 80 and, you know, 75 and 80%. And then the, 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 the more technique day falls somewhere between 60 and 75%. It just kind of works that way. And 
Another mistake, women will make a PR and then they'll move all their training weights up. Well, you've already gotten stronger by using the weights you're already using. Don't be in a hurry to raise that up. For the first like three years of training, you don't even need to be like 50% uh, to, to, uh, to get stronger. So focus on getting things done correctly and efficiently and then focus on accessory work and your weights will go up. And then once you're in like three or four years into it, then you can start like uh, Suzanne, the one girl that's on the Misfits. I mean, she's she's edging close to 400 pounds on her deadlift. I have to manage her. But even with her, I know I'm going to do a certain percentage that day. But if I work up to that percentage and it doesn't look the way I want it to look, I'll back off a little bit or I'll do whatever I need to do to get, you know, some days she's going to be stronger than others, you know, with all the things she's got going on with kids and all that kind of stuff. And then I've got other girls like uh, Emily Clark, who's built like a long, like a spider. She's got really long legs, like a dandy long wing spider. <laughs> She, she squats, you know, has a great for her body type, like, you know, like 220 pounds is incredible squat for her, but she has to do less volume because, uh, I have to back her weights down even with people that she's squatting the same, like the same person is squatting the same weight. I have to back her weights down because when she starts getting into those high rep squats, it ends up being really hard on her body. So I have to spread her volume out so that it's, you know, cause that's what you, you don't want people to be so banged up from training that it affects their everyday life. So that's a, and with athletes too, like we don't want, we, I'm working with a couple, a high level, fairly high level gymnast and a very high level softball player and a very high level uh, volleyball player right now. And they're all amazing at their sport. They move well, but if you ask them to stand on one foot and just hold that, they can't Interesting. because their strategies, because of, we don't play as much, they don't play multiple sports. Their strategy is so high threshold, like the gymnast. She can do everything, walk on her hands, backhand springs, all that kind of stuff. But if you ask her to hold a bear crawl position statically with her ribs and her belly button together, she almost has an epileptic seizure. Wow. Um, because she's, she relies on that high threshold so much, we have to pull her back a little bit to keep her from getting injured. So because she only relies on high threshold strategies, guess what? She's walking around in that high throat strategy. And that's what happened, you know, like to me and, you know, I owe uh, Bill Hartman and Mike Robertson a lot for educating me on the, the difference between high and low threshold. And what happens is, is people become so specialized and they rely on that one strategy. Mm -hmm. So we have to give them like through breathing drills or through warm up or things like that. Like you shouldn't be going into a high threshold pattern to do a bird dog. Right. But right. a lot <laughs> of the people that come into our gym, they go into that high threshold strategy. They're sweating, they're breathing hard, they're convulsing, they're shaking just to do a bird dog. Well, that's not appropriate to take someone like that and put them in a strength training program. They need to do body weight stuff. So they know the appropriate response. Like if someone, you know, like gives me the finger on the street, I don't shoot them. But if somebody pulls a gun on me, I'm sure as hell going to shoot them. So the appropriate response is, is what we want from the body. We want the appropriate response. And then if we have a high-level Olympic lifter or if we have a high-level baseball player, we don't want to fix their dysfunction because the dysfunction is what allows them to play their sport. We want to manage it. We want to be able to shut it off when we're done. So how's that sound? <laughs> so <laughs> Did I just blow your brain in half? <laughs> No, I, I, well, I don't remember my second question, but that's okay because, <laughs> because I'm sure you answered it somewhere along the line and then above and beyond. But I, I, I totally agree with you. I don't have nearly, you know, the level of experience that you have, but just, you know, in the strength game, every protocol that you, you know, that the average person turns to is, is number driven. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to go use like a 531 calculator online or whatever, you know, whatever sure. that woman chooses to do. And it's totally overlooking what you just discussed um, because now yeah, we that takes that takes yeah. coaching and that takes and most of the powerlifting meets I go to these women, they're set up like the women that are lifting. Most of the women quit because they're lifting with a very inefficient pattern. They're usually like on their deadlift. They're like a foot away from the bar. You know, they're throwing their head back really hard and that's really hard on the body and they lift some pretty impressive weight. But the 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 damage or the the uh, the um, the impact on the body orthopedically. Most women, most normal women, are not going to lift if they're in pain. Okay, right. so I have to figure out what's enough to get the stimulus I want and to get them stronger without causing any major kind of dysfunction. Now, there's a certain percentage of women that are going to put weight on the bar, even if their kneecaps blow off or their shoulder blows off, and most of them are competing in CrossFit. And that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, but most of the women that are coming to me, they want to look good and feel good, but they're beating themselves to death like a professional athlete thinking that's going to give them the body they want. And so my job is to educate them on no. It's to work just below that threshold, to push you just enough to create adaptation and making sure that adaptation is appropriate and not going to cause any orthopedic issues down the road. Because we, you know, we, you know, most of the women I train, they don't really care if they set a world record if they can't walk, you know. So – um, but that's the price, you know, if you want to push the envelope to perform of performance, you're going to pay, you're going to pay a price. I mean, that's just how it works. Yeah. It's all about, we talked about this on our last episode, just, it's all about trade-offs, right? And Correct. that's where your goal, if, if performance is your goal and that's your number one thing in life that you want to run after, mm-hmm. then there's going to be certain trade-offs. And a lot of those are going right. to be, you know, not only the way you feel, but your family and friends too might, right. <laughs> might suffer. <laughs> well, and, and what I'm selling to my clientele is time. Okay. And I had a lady come in here who's working out like 12 hours a week. She's an attorney. She's got, she's got a, she wanted me to work with her on her squat and she's working out 12 hours a week. And she was, uh, you know, multiple sessions a day. And I was like, look, what, what if I can give you better results than you're having right now with three sessions a week? She's like, wow. I, I said, you'd have more time to spend with your kids. You have more time for your job. You have more time for your life. So what I'm selling is I can make you feel better. I can make you look better and you're going to have all this free time. So you can't like time is priceless. Mm-hmm. So that's how I sell things to people is I'm like, I'll for two to three days a week. And if you go walk and if you sleep and if you eat decent food, 80% of the time, I'm going to give you, you know, you're going to feel better. You're going to look better. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be able to pick things up off the floor. You're going to be able to play with your kids. You're going to, you know, you know, and that's why I've had clients for 15 years because we just kind of flirt with that boundary. We, and, and sometimes, you know, people are in a good place, we can push them a little harder. And sometimes we can, that's where the art of coaching comes in. And that's where, you know, years and years of experience and reading people and see how they walk in the door and, you know, all that sort of thing. So the biggest advice I can give to women is work slightly below your max, like your, your, where you're at, like always train a little lighter, work on accessory work, and then focus on doing some core work that involves rib cage to belly button. Cause most women, they go into that big interior tilt, they lose the ability to activate the sides of their abs. Like when you brace on a squat, women have a really hard time activating the sides, okay? So I tell most women to, like if they're wearing a belt, to either push into the back of the belt or the sides of the belt. The front will come on automatically if the rib cage and the belly button are together. But most women will flex the front and they'll go further into extension. 
okay, right. which further drives them down the road of dysfunction. And then they're like, my knees are hurting. And then they're wearing like Olympic shoes, and which is fine in certain circumstances. But, you know, it just kind of pushes that snowball down the road. So um, there's a lot of great content out there. Mike Robertson, he's got a lot of really good stuff about like band pullover, single leg lowering. Uh, a lot of stuff on exhaling. Uh, my part, my uh, my employee Lucy's got all sorts of good stuff online about that kind of stuff. I wrote an article on Rob Wolf's blog about uh, it's called Voodoo Witchcraft and Diaphragmatic Breathing that talks about what I'm talking about right now. So you want to get your body to be the core when the ribs and the belly button are together. That is the the most efficient, strongest position the body can be in. Going into hard extension is your body buying stability with your spine. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's not a good long-term strategy. It's great if you're trying to get away from someone who's going to pull the knife on you or whatever, or you're trying to create power, you know, you're, you're on your last attempt at a powerlifting meet and you're pulling, you know, a PR and you fly, your head flies back and you go into extension. That's okay. But if you're doing it, going into extension for your warm up, unless you're an Olympic lifter, you know, on a, doing the snatch, it's probably not a good long-term strategy. Right. And that's a lot. What we see online is, you know, that, that video clip of someone doing their, you know, doing a big pull at a competition at the Arnold's or whatever. So we see it, you know, all sloppy, like you said. Um, and then we, we relate, well, that's how they must pull all the time. <laughs> well, and, and the guys that, the guys that last a long time are very efficient. Like their technique is very, very efficient. You know, they've, uh, the, the ones that last years and years and years, like Ed Cohn, you know, people like that, mm -hmm. they've been training for a long time and they're so efficient. And one of the one, if you want to get really strong, you really time is is the essence. Mm -hmm. There's some people that are biomechanically at an advantage and can lift some really really heavy weights really early on just because of the biomechanics they have and because they're able to create great leverage. But most of the people that are that are really really strong have been in it for a long 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 time, and they're able to lift for a long time. You know, five, ten, fifteen years. Mm -hmm. So you know, and most women, you know, just focus on you know what it's doing to your body by incorporating some strength training in and change your training up from time to time. You know, really focus on getting strong at the accessory stuff. You know, right. and then the barbell, the barbell work on being technical with the barbell lifts and, and getting very, very good at the, the technical aspect of it. And it'll go up. Like mm -hmm. one of the biggest mistakes I made in my powerlifting career was f chasing that heavy max effort, you know, cause I, I was, I could do some really crazy things in the gym, but it really only matters what you do on the platform. You know, I did an 800 pound safety bar squat for a triple with just a belt on. Okay. Wow. But my squad in my squat suit, I didn't work enough in the suit and I didn't really have my technique down. So anytime I'd go well over 900, my form would go to hell. When you start, you know, when you start going over 900, 950, 1,000, you've got to have everything dialed in. So when you're approaching your big, big numbers, your technique has to be dialed and strength helps. But if you're technical um, and you can move the bar quickly, you can lift a lot more than you think just based on being in the right position. So I would focus on you know, really learning how to get in the correct position uh, more than just trying to lift as heavy as possible. Right. And, and accessory work, I find um, the areas that seem to be lacking are, I mean, they're different for everyone, but women in general, they have their areas of weakness. Do you want to touch on mm -hmm. that at all? Because I, I find that that's kind of standard for most women. Well, the big, the big thing is the core, like I talked about, being in that mm -hmm. interior tilt, you know, not being able to activate the complete core. So, Things that can help you with that are, are, you know, like getting down on the ground and pressing, you know, pressing, you'll have to press your low back into the ground at first to get stability. But, you know, things like dead bugs, band pullover breathing, things like.
like um, goblet squats or double kettlebell goblet squats, those force you to get your ribs down and it's incredible ab work. Uh, rack carries where you're carrying the kettlebell up on your shoulder in a rack position. You're mm. getting, you know, bear crawls, but focusing on almost rounding your back towards the ceiling mm-hmm. so that you're doing the opposite. You're getting that rib cage and that belly button together, like holding that position, um, you know, doing it, uh, doing it under control and slowly, especially backwards, because that's going to make you posteriorly tilt your, t- your pelvis and kind of make you go in the opposite direction um, to get those abs working. Um, and then, you know, if you've had a C-section or if you've had children, it's probably a good idea to go see a physical therapist and make sure that core is functioning, especially if you're having, you know, if you're having bladder control issues, especially if you're lifting and you're peeing, you know, you probably should go see somebody and, and, and get that, get that handled. Cause it's, uh, you know, a core dysfunction. So, you know, that's the core work. And then of course, lots and lots of, you know, glute ham raises and single leg glute bridges, but the same thing with the glute ham raise. You'll see people, they fl- they use their back, you know, instead of being neutral and being long and using their glutes and hamstrings, they'll fling, they'll fling their back and they'll get their ribs up and you'll see them jamming their back together and they're mm-hmm. making the back kind of the, the prime mover instead of using their glutes and hamstrings. So being cognitive of that, thinking about like pulling your ribs down to your belly button while you're doing that, making sure when you're doing glute bridges, you're not going into extension to get your motion, you're, you're got your ribs down. You know, that, that kind of stuff so that your motion is actually coming from your hips and not from you using your spine. Right. So how much of like a, a training session with a woman, how, how much time would be dedicated to that kind of accessory work? It depends on the training yeah. experience. You know, you have somebody new. It's like if you got somebody new, like we might do wall sits and like some ab work in between with some band pull-aparts. Like a, and, and then we might do a carry and push the prowler and send them home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and then my girls that are getting ready for, for a meet, you know, we might do – uh, you know, our squat workout this week, the girls have been training me for four years were, you know, we did, uh, we worked up to some, uh, what did we do this week? We did some reps. So we worked up to fives and in between the first set of, uh, the first set of squats, we did, um, um, some sumo pulls with like 135 just to work on their technique. Mm-hmm. And then in between the second two sets of warm up sets, we did some single leg lowering, holding a dumbbell, um, just to get their core working. And then we worked up and did like three, we did four to five sets of five. Uh, for most of them, it was around 75 to 80%. Uh, and then after that, we did some uh, narrow stance uh, uh, double goblet squats. And then we did uh, – what, what did we do after that? So we did that and then uh, – let me think here. Oh, yeah. We did carries, double arm carries, band pull aparts. And then we did uh, a finisher with uh, six sets of ten uh, glute bridges with chain. Uh, they had about probably two or 300 pounds of chain on them. So, you know, they do 10 reps, they sit their butt on the ground, they rest for like 30 seconds and they do another set and they adjust their feet every time. So, you know, and in between the middle, there's intermediate, whereas some of the girls that are competing for the first time, we have a meet in June, you know, they're doing more of a five, three, one kind of thing. They're doing like some barbell lifts and a couple little accessory movements and then they're out. So you always want to start with the minimum effective dose. And, you know, like my, my <laughs> gymnast girls and my volleyball girls that are, super high threshold, their workout is not that fancy, but they're getting better. Like their parents are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they've only been here for two weeks and they're moving so much better already. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really take that much. So, you know, a lot of people want to do, you know, they might do a floor warm up and work on their balance and do some balance beam work and then push the prowler, carry, do a carry and get out. You know, their workout might be a half an hour. So, 
And as they build their capacity up, then we're going to do more and more. So you're better off doing less high quality work than a whole bunch of crap, you know. And then as the work capacity changes and then as the skill, you know, what we're doing, if it requires more skill, it's going to take more time. So it's it's really individual depending on the person, you know. And some days if people aren't firing or we might cut the main lift out and just do accessory work that day. So right. the, the problem is there's no – there's no um, – it depends. That's the answer. And people get pissed when I say that, but I'm sorry it does. <laughs> no, and it really does depend. And that's why it, it is so hard to ask specific questions because I know the answer is going to be like, well, it depends. But maybe like what you're really talking about is really like auto-regulation. You're helping women auto-regulate. And maybe you could talk about Correct. a little bit of, of what what we can look at, like even when I just get in the gym and let's say mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm noticing like my bar speed is not where I think it should be. Um, right. Then I might start altering what that day looks like. So maybe that might be a good way to like, you know, get into the last part of this podcast. It's just how, what are some cues or some things that women can look out for as they start, start their training session that might indicate that they need to alter things a little bit? Well, does that make sense? From my, from my, yeah, that doesn't. From my perspective, it's, um, you know, I'm looking at, you know, if, if a woman comes into the gym, like in our, we train in groups, you know, our lifting team trains sometimes eight to 10. And if they're not chatty that night, then they probably something's up, you know, um, <laughs> maybe sign. some dark chocolate is needed or some, somebody's got some drama going on. So if they're chatty and they walk in, you know, you're looking at posture, confidence, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then I can tell in the warm up who's on and who's off. You know, um, you can see it's crisp and sometimes, and sometimes it's weird though. People sometimes will warm up and they'll get crisp, uh, when they get, so that's all about getting to know the person. So some people look really crazy, like crappy in the warm up, especially on squats. Cause a lot of people need like they're, they're tight and it's one of the reasons they're strong. Um, mm -hmm. they start, they need weight on the bar for them to actually get in a good position. So, um, as the weight gets heavier, they get better. I'm like that. I look like absolute crap until I get to about 90%. Uh, just because the way I've lifted for so long, I and I don't get serious, you know, unless the weight um, gets fairly serious. I'm the so, same way. And my body's kind of <laughs> like ah, I can just I can just kind of coast through this. But training myself to be explosive from the get go is that's a huge part of it too. Um, but yeah, just going on how you're how you're feeling in a way. I think that's where the HRV and the body and the um, uh, omega wave come in because it tells you exactly what's going on instead of you it being subjective. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's like keyboard, you know, keyboard tests, but you know, the big thing is, is don't overthink it. If you're feeling good, you know, work up to a weight that challenges you, that you can do with good form and then go on how you're feeling from there. But if you're having a bad day, you know, simplify, cut some things out. Um, you know, if you're doing something that's really, really hard on the body, um, you know, you might want to switch your, your movement or something like that if, if you're having a bad day or sometimes you just got to work through it. And I mean, it's, it's just another thing. It, it depends. But, you know, if you've got tons and tons and tons of stress in your life, it might not be the day to go for a PR or to or to go through it. Or, or some people manage their stress with exercise, which can be good and bad. But um, it, it's another it, it depends. But, you know, looking at sleep patterns, looking at are you depressed? Is your sex drive good? You know, if your sex drive's bad and you're depressed, you probably need to do some more, you know, self-maintenance before you need to be, be training hard. You probably need to go for a walk. You probably need to do that sort of thing or get your husband to buy you some jewelry or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> or chocolate or red wine works good too. But Jewelry um, but, made out of chocolate. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yes. I, I train a woman who's a diamond jeweler. I'm sure she could figure out a way to do that. But um, 
it, it, it all comes down to being mindful. You know, once again, we come back to meditation, being mindful and not being so caught up in the moment that you can't realize where you're at. And sometimes the best thing you can do is, you know, chill out a little bit, you know, and, and back off a little bit. And then, and then sometimes, you know, you need to see, well, I want to see what I can do today. So it all comes down to where you're at and it's all very subjective and I, but I always err on the side of less. I've never made, I've never had a problem or I've never regretted saying, you know, that's good. We're going to shut her down right there. Mm -hmm. Every time I've gotten into problems when I'm like, we're going to go up again or we're going to do one more. And my little, this little voice inside me goes, dude, you know better. And of course it always, you know, the few mistakes that I've made, I've made some, a few, but you know, I, I don't, when it comes to coaching, I don't, I don't make misjudgments very often. But um, when I have made misjudgments, it's because I, I decided to do more instead of stopping where my gut told me to. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. That applies to so many things in life, just outside of the gym too, doesn't it? Definitely. <laughs> right. But if your head, if you're spinning in your head all the time, it's very hard to listen to that intuition. So that's where meditation practice, being mindful, you know, paying attention to details and not just running around like a chicken with your head cut off. It kind of comes into, into, uh, into play. Awesome. We're, we're almost out of time. I wonder if Alex Navarro had anything that she wanted to ask you quickly. Uh, I mean, I think this is just probably the first of many episodes that we'll have with Jim because there's just so much to cover and he's a, just, he's got so much knowledge. So I'll leave this one up. <laughs> but we like that. <laughs> it's good, exactly. You have, I, Alex, you have I, all I didn't even think I took a breath through that whole thing. <laughs> That's okay. I did have uh, yeah, questions, Alex, you but have <laughs> you kind yeah. of answered them along the way. Yeah, go for it. Let's see if I can answer so. them quickly. But I answer some of them. That's Actually, good. you already did. You really did. Um, one thing okay. that, that kind of good. stuck out to me and something that I recently had a conversation with the client about was just, you know, what you said about planning for the long term and you know, yes, someone might be have a, have a have an immediate strength goal that they're trying to reach, but you know, we're also looking at longevity and sustainability, and right. being able to set yourself mm -hmm. up for success now, you know, in a future meet and twenty years down the line, so that we can move comfortably and still Correct. feel good, and knowing that you know, hitting it really hard today because that was the original plan. Say you do that, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You know, if, if you're not ready to do it and right. you still attempt it, what position are you putting yourself in? And I think just, again, being cognizant of that, where you're at each day, going into different training yeah. sessions and remembering, yes, I have my immediate goal, but I'm also, you know, I want to be able to walk around and have my knees still be healthy in 10, 15, 20 years. Sure. And be able to play with my kids. I think a lot of women forget that they're complete novices when it mm -hmm. comes to this stuff. And um you know, most, most women don't rough house, even most boys today, unfortunately don't, but most women don't rough house. They don't play the contact sports. They don't, they don't wrestle like guys do. So they're naturally at a little bit of a disadvantage when it comes to, you know, being able to jump into strength training very quickly. So you need to be very patient, you know, start with body weight, start with really simple stuff. That's, that's, uh, that's, uh, easy to keep good technique with and just go from there and, and just think about the long term. You know, and, um, and, and that way you can, this is something you can do for the, you know, cause the vast majority of people, they just want to look good in a bikini and they want to feel good for the rest of their life. Exactly. You know, they, exactly. they most people don't want to set world records. Most people don't have the fortitude or the, um, you know, the work ethic or the desire They don't understand the amount of time it takes to set world records and the sacrifices to your health and the sacrifices to your family. So, you know, I think that's why I've, I've, um, done as well as I've had with my business is I've matched up people's 
program with their goals. Mm -hmm. You know, I've re-educated them on what what they need to get their goals, which is lift some weights, walk, maybe play tennis, eat good food, sleep, you know. Mm -hmm. All realistic things. That's about it. And so, yeah, all realistic things. It's just people have kind of been brainwashed that they have to train like Rocky Balboa uh, in order to, to get results, you know? Yeah. Well, we appreciate what you're doing, Jim. I think it's a really important message, um, because it really is hard to decipher when you, you know, when you start getting into this and you start going to resources online, it really is hard to decipher, like, who are these athletes that this is their life and then who is the everyday person in the gym and where do I fit in? Yeah. And and I know we're, I know we're out of time, but I'll sum it up this way really quickly. Okay. (laughs) So, our general population is descending radically, okay? The level of preparedness is going downhill fast. And all the information online is increasing in intensity, increasing in uh, complication because that's what sells. They want fancy, shiny, flashy, but that's not what gets people long-term results because you need to lower the training to where people are at. And most people are not at a high level at all. Agreed. I think that's a perfect way to end this yeah. and probably uh, set us up for a part two of this uh, episode cool. down the road. <laughs> awesome. Well, Happy to do it. Happy to help. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll put uh, some links to Jim and his work in the uh, show notes and we will catch you guys next time on Her Body brought to you by Body.io FM. Thanks, Jim. You're welcome, ladies. Have a great day. You too. Bye. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengel. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance. <laughs>